Our scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 26. And our message today is entitled, The Book of Acts, Shadow to Reality. Today, once again, is a rather long or lengthy reading of scripture. I pray that you will be blessed in hearing these words. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixated his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, 
whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from wickedness. May the Lord bless us all in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Please say hello to each other again. Look around you to your left, to your right, behind you. For those of us who are joining online again. We continue our series on the book of Acts. And in many ways, this, this name, the Acts of the Apostles, is sort of a misnomer. It should be the Acts and the Words of the Apostles. Or the Acts and the Interpretation of the Apostles. Or the Acts and the Words of the Apostles. Because the actions or the Acts themselves, without interpretation can be misunderstood by anyone. It's difficult enough for us here in this room to, to really understand the acts of one another. Perhaps you're married and your spouse has good intentions and, and does a certain act, but you, you misunderstand it in one way or another, for the good or for the bad. But until you sort of understand that other person and understand how the acts itself refer to their intentions and refer to the and and you understand the meaning of those acts that they're intending to do well there's confusion there will always be confusion and in fact we we see that here in this passage last week we saw the miracle of, of people speaking in tongues we saw that everyone heard the gospel in their own language and everyone marveled but the false interpretation was that, well, perhaps they're drunk. And because they're drunk in wine, somehow they were magically able to, to speak these, these far-off languages. And Peter stood up and rightfully told them all that this is not drunkenness. But what you are seeing in the acts of the, of the Spirit being poured down on, on everyone is you are seeing that the gospel now can be heard by anyone and everyone to the ends of the earth. No longer do you need an interpreter. No longer do you need a, a priest to, 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 to translate for you the, the Hebrew or the Greek or in the Middle Ages, the, the Latin of the Catholic Church. But you can hear the gospel in your own language and God will speak to you. And those words are the words of power that change people's lives. We can't take that for granted. The joy of hearing that Jesus loves you in your own language 
the joy of hearing that, that Jesus himself will come back for you. And knowing that as you read the words of God in your own native language, that God speaks to you directly. We can't underestimate that. We can't undersell that. But we go to the Lord knowing that the purpose of Pentecost, the purpose of hearing the gospel in each of our own languages is so that I can go to God directly through remediation of Christ through the Holy Spirit and not through any other person. Praise be to God. Praise be to him who has given us the gifts to, to, be, to be prophets, to be able to hear the words of God directly, and to be able to speak the words of God to one another with joy. Here in this passage, we get another vignette of how the gospel has, is continuing to grow, of how the church is starting to be established. Now, John and Paul, Peter and John, were, were going to the temple in the hour of prayer. They understood that the temple still was, was a place that God had blessed. But they also understood that things were shifting. Things were changing. They went there to pray. They went to the place of their forefathers. They went to the place where God's covenants and promises had, had been established. And as they were walking, they saw this, this man who was begging for alms. Now, this was common in those days for the poor to, to gather around the temple. And it was actually charged to the, to the Jewish nation, you need to take care of the poor. You need to give alms. You need to be generous to those who, who, who are weak, who are ill, who, are, who, are, who don't, do not have anything. And so this man was doing absolutely nothing wrong, sitting there asking. And as Peter and John were walking through, hearing this man ask for alms, Peter and James turned to him. And it says here, Peter directed his gaze at him. Looked directly into this man's eyes. And he spoke these wonderful words to him. I have no silver. I have no gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man was looking for simply what was due to him. Gold and silver to, to buy food gold and silver to help him to live day to day. But John and Peter are simply continuing the ministry of Jesus Christ by performing the same type of, of miracles 
that Jesus himself did in the Gospels. Healing the lame. Healing the paralyzed. Granting them full physical health. And so in the same manner, he tells them, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took his right hand, raised him up, says his feet and ankles became strong. And leaping with joy, he began to walk. And they entered the temple together to praise and worship God. A miracle. Someone who could not walk, walking. And together with John and Paul, John and Peter entering, praising and worshiping God for the miracle that had occurred. And all the people in the temple turned to see, we know this man. How is he walking? What has happened? What has occurred? And immediately, the, the, the minds of the people are thinking many different things. And this is what happens to all of us whenever we see something miraculous. Some of us, when we see something miraculous or seeing something given by God to us, some of us rejoice instinctively. This is God's gift to me. And to you, I say, praise be to God. Because every good gift comes from the Lord. No matter what means, no matter sort of what wrapping that, that you see, God gives good things to his people. But others interpret things always sort of in a negative way. It must be by Satan that this man was healed. We've heard Jesus accused more than once. What is this charlatan doing? Fooling us into thinking that he's a man of God. And Jesus himself said, listen, Satan himself would not cast out Satan for a house divided cannot stand. That this miracle that Christ has done through the gospel, and this miracle we see here doing today, that's been done today, is in the name of Christ Jesus himself. And that Christ Jesus, through John and through Peter, is demonstrating once again the power of God to the Jewish people that they were speaking to. To you and I that he is speaking to. Now here's where Peter, once again, this fisherman, this uneducated man, this man, if, if, you, if you, for those of you who, 
who have ever taken the Greek language. First and second Peter is just atrocious Greek compared to Paul's Greek. It's atrocious Greek compared to the, the, the book of Hebrews. I mean, it's still good, but it's not, not as good. This man once again spoke and gave the proper interpretation of what is happening. You as God's people, I implore you that when you see God working in your life, when you see sort of tests that God puts in your life, when you see how your family struggles or how your family rejoices, that you must always look to see what is God doing? Why is he doing this? What glory comes in my family? What glory comes in my work? What glory comes in my struggling? What glory comes in my failures, in my successes, in my failings? Scripture is where we turn to for the proper interpretations of all that's happening in the world and all that is happening in our own lives. And for most people, Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10, they're fine reading and understanding. I can get on board with this. A God that heals, a God that does miracles, I can get on board with this. This is the God I want to serve. This is the God that I want to follow. But verse 11 through 21 are the words that this world, and sometimes even our own hearts, these words we don't want to hear. Because we don't want this interpretation to be the right interpretation of God's miracles. Peter proceeds very simply to say to the people who had gathered around him, don't you know what by what power this guy was healed? It is the same God that you have worshipped, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, don't you also realize that even though God has done this, this wonderful miracle in this, in this man's life, that this Jesus by whose power that you see this healing take place, that's the same Jesus that you crucified, you that's the same Jesus that you said that I demand this murderer to be free, but crucify Jesus. This is the same Jesus I was talked about in Scripture that said that he must be handed over. This is the same Jesus that died on the cross. And he died because of your sins. Now, he gives him a little bit of a way out, but it's not a full way out. He says, you did it out of ignorance, but still, ignorance does not mean you're not culpable for it. 
Because when we stand before the Lord, and if we say, well, I never heard the gospel, I never heard about Jesus, you are still culpable for the sins that you have committed, whether you know it or not. It's one of the reasons we need to share the gospel to the whole world. And he proceeds to go, listen, you need to repent and turn to the Lord again. Again, this parallels what we saw last week in Paul's and Peter's sermon after Pentecost. An action occurs. He debunks their interpretation. Proceeds to, to go through the Old Testament and, and teach them that this is a fulfillment. And lastly, he charges them. The purpose of these miracles is so that you repent and come to know Christ and walk with him and enjoy him. We are not to sit on this amazement of seeing tons of fire. We are not to sit on seeing this amazing miracle of a man being healed. But we are to like this man, like these people who have heard the gospel, not run to the people, to not run to the apostles to get healing of the body, not run to the apostles to be able to get gifts of speaking in different languages, but we are to run to Christ who they appointed us to, to ask for forgiveness and to be given hope in him. It's when we sit and stand with Jesus himself that we see that the real miracle is that our hearts change towards the Lord. There is nothing more miraculous besides next to the coming of next to Christ's death and resurrection. There's nothing more miraculous than a man or a woman saying, I am a sinner before the Lord and I need Jesus and I know he loves me. And to see that heart break, to tears fall, and to see the change in the countenance on their face. Because you know it's not simply intellectual assent, but it's a change of heart. You know what that looks like. Many years as a pastor, many years walking with people, many years of praying with people, many youth conferences, and many of you have helped with the youth conferences in our presbytery, praying with many youth kids, pray with many college kids, asking for prayer requests, seeing their hearts broken because of broken families, seeing their hearts broken because of broken dreams, and praying for them. My heart went out to them. But my heart went out to them because they didn't ask for the thing that I wanted God to help them to ask for. 
Pastor Young, or I've sinned against God. Can you pray for me that I might receive salvation in Him? God wants you to lift your eyes to see something greater than a fixed leg or someone with a sharp tongue. And this isn't just Paul, I mean, sorry, just Peter saying this. We've actually seen this before in John chapter 5. When Jesus heals a man by the pool of Bethesda, and this man goes to the temple, and he doesn't know. It's like, I don't know who healed me, but someone healed me. And he's rejoicing. Someone healed me, and I came here basically to to worship God because it's got to be God who healed me. And then Jesus comes in, and the guy says, that's that's the guy who healed me, That, that, that man. Jesus of Nazareth, he healed me. Jesus looks at him. This is Jesus. These words here through Peter are Jesus' words too, but Jesus says in John 5, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. It's hard to hide our thoughts and our emotions from our spouses and from our parents. They know us too well. They know when our apology is genuine. They know when we're trying to just just get out of a sticky situation. But usually you can look into your spouse's eyes your child's eyes and you know when their heart has changed. God himself peers deeply into your heart. There's nothing hidden from him. He knows your heart. The prayer for all of you and the prayer for, for me is that, Lord, help me stop hiding my heart. Help me to stop chasing after miracles. Help me to stop chasing after achievements. Help me stop being simply a spiritual person. And help me to be someone sees my sins and sees God's forgiveness. Help me be that person when my spouse looks in my eyes, when you look into each other's eyes. You see someone forgiven by Christ and loved by Christ himself. That's the miracle we ask for. And that's the miracle we continue to ask for, for one another.
But rest assured, God is doing it. He is doing it. And as you receive the Lord, do so with joy. Sing aloud to the Lord when you've met him. Be shameless in who you are now. Don't worry about what the people next to you think about you. For when you are changed by the gospel, surely your joy in God, your love for others will flow all to the praise of our glorious God. Let us pray. Lord, how odd it is for us mere mortals to realize that the corporal is the shadow and the incorporal is the reality. That our bodies are what is fading away, but our inner selves is what's for eternity. That, Lord, in the end, in the new heavens and the new earth, Lord, that you will bring these two realities together. We know that. Our physical bodies, our new glorified bodies, and our new glorified souls will be one, worshiping you and serving you forever and ever. But we know that in this world, what takes priority is not what we see, but what is unseen. And so, Lord, we ask of you to change the hearts of all the men and the women in this room, to help us, Lord, to be like Peter, to share the gospel to friends, to family, that they too may hear the good news of Christ and turn to you. We want to see you, Lord, lifted up. We want to see your word to go forth. We want to, Lord, take joy only in you and in your kingdom. So help us, Lord. Change our hearts that we may love what you love, hate what you hate. Rejoice in what you rejoice in. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.